0: Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast, your Week in Sports Cars episode powered by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com, Bell Racing Helmets USA, and fine British helmet-like head UK, (laughs) Graham Goodwin, editor of DailySportsCar.com. How are you, my brother, from a far, far distance away?
1: We're good, we're just entering what is a revised uh, another three weeks of lockdown here in the UK late in the evening here, about half past nine in the evening um, where with when I'm recording this one good afternoon, good evening, good morning wherever you are in the world and listening in you are very, very welcome I trust, MP, all is well over in well, I, I guess that side of the pond how do I describe it now?
0: Yeah um <laughs> I don't even know what to say uh or yeah, it's been a heck of a week already between NASCAR drivers deciding to commit career. Oh, so yes, yeah. uh the great Sir Sterling Moss's passing oh. to
1: And Joe Horseman as well.
0: I know. I've been meaning been trying the oh. past couple of days to connect with my, my Uncle Harley Cluxton, who relied upon Mr. Horsman to help lead his team to victory at the 1975 24 Hours of Le Mans, uh, knew Mr. Horsman very well and who was a big part of his GTC Mirage équipe in uh, the Southwest here in the U.S. So before we get going with your questions, dear listeners, of which there are many and they are fine, got about an hour today, to spend so we're going to pick and choose a wee bit as always please send in the ones we didn't get to if you really want them answered we're going to throw this out haven't mentioned this yet uh this is something that i've known for a couple of days now and i'm not a nascar reporter or any i mean you know that i cover sports cars and open wheel but ultimately i'm a sports reporter so this larson incident certainly occupied a lot of my week in various ways the one item that i learned and this is factual as shared directly from the family of the poor sod who decided to use a word that doesn't belong to him graham goodwin this took place on sunday evening here in the u.s with kyle larson playing and i playing i racing decided to trot out a word that Destroyed his world. On the. He lives in the East Coast, I believe, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Across the country in Northern California, here where his parents live, where he is from. At the same exact time, this was taking place and this incident took place. Do you want to know what movie Mr. and Mrs. Larson in California had just finished watching and had just shed a few tears over while watching?
1: Tarzanite? Uppety. Oh no, no, really. I have to say, watched it a second time at the weekend. Uh, we're in the process of doing some reviews on a whole range of films. We've got a third uh, edition of our run through for people in lockdown for stuff you can get on DVD. But I looked again at Uppity uh, at a, kind of bit, a bit of an insomniac moment and said, what an excellent film that is. What an excellent film that is. If you Who's are... that good-looking guy with a beard? No... Uh...
0: I think that's when Willie T grew a beard. Um, whether you, if you believe, if you are a person of faith and you believe in the Lord, whatever Lord that might be, you might come to the conclusion that the Lord has a heck of a sense of humor. And if you're not a person of faith and you just believe the universe is a fine purveyor of irony, the fact that Mr. and Mrs. Larson watched in had... Truly, and we're talking within minutes, completed watching for the very first time the documentary about the African-American driver whose career was derailed and impacted and forced so much in the way of overcoming, due to racism, 3,000 miles away, minutes later, their biracial son, Japanese-American whose grandparents were the recipients of massive racism while being interned during world war two decided to uncork the very word that at its core, you could say was kind of central to the movie, uh, that spawned the documentary his parents were watching. I, again, man, whether you believe the Lord's got a sense of humor or the universe is like, try this one on for size. I, I shrieked. I made a sound, Graham, I don't think I've ever made before. When I learned this, again, this is told directly. It was a, ah, what? I mean, and then followed by about five minutes of laughing. Not because any of this is funny, but just a, you've got to be me. Are you kidding? So, yeah, that maybe speaks a bit to how far sons and daughters can grow from uh, mothers and fathers and uh, definitely tells you the heart and environment contained by Mr. and Mrs. Larson. So, uh, but that's not what we're here to talk about, although there is a mild sports car angle knowing that Kyle yes, Larson yes. has done the Rolex 24 at Daytona. I think that's a cop-out I just used, but I used it anyways. But ah. anyways, I haven't shared that, and uh, I know that my colleague Robin Miller, who received a call from Kyle just a little while ago, uh, and then just spoke with Willie T. Well, there's a story coming here about Willie T. speaking with Kyle. Um, and that, again, I'll just share. Kyle and, I, uh, Kyle and I, Willie T. and I were texting almost immediately Sunday night, and then he rang me Monday morning to say a lot of things. But the the end of the conversation was, I don't know if you grasp, Willie, how vast your reach is, And your power has become after Uppity's release on Netflix because now you aren't just the guy that I've known forever. I mean, you know, I'm sitting right now 15 minutes away from where he was born. Um, You're no longer the guy who, for those of us who saw you race back in the day, we know your story. You now, kids, everybody seemingly knows your story. You are the perfect person to reach out to your fellow Northern Californian and lay the hammer down. And also after that, educate, instruct, coach, guide, be a re- be something, but your name, your voice, not giving him a pass, not mm-hmm. saying up oh, all I officially speak for all African Americans. He's good, but uh, really being, you know, a valuable person to help, transition kyle into a place of of greater understanding in life you are in that position like never before please consider it reaching out to him and he said i hadn't really thought of it that way let me sleep on it called back the next morning and said totally agree um i want to do it Uh, i want to get connected with the kid and had an idea of how to do it reached out to racers, Paul Fanner, who helped facilitate some things in other ways, and so there's some good stuff in motion here um, from good people in our general atmosphere of motor racing and in this particular regard, sports car racing.
1: Well, let's hope for a eventual positive outcome for that. It has been a sad week Um, losing two pillars of the sport, so Sterling Moss, what can you say? I mean, uh, I think we said it over the weekend, the word icon is massively abused nowadays, but that man, um, just so many stories, so many memories, so much. And what a delight to be able to, to say, as he's left us now, that I had the opportunity to speak to him, to interview him multiple times, to be... Uh, just in his orbit, frankly, I mean, an extraordinary individual and an absolute gentleman. John Horsman didn't have that opportunity in any depth whatsoever, but his story, <sighs> long, storied and uh, extensive in terms of his impact on the the sports. They're both going to be very much missed, aren't they, MP?
0: That and Tommy Morrison as well. Uh, touring car GT style driver here. Uh showroom stock style endurance as well of massive regard, not massive profile. But boy, well, one of the kings of that uh form of sports car racing here in the US, especially in the 1980s but also early 1990s. So, yeah. Uh sadder week whether it's from folks harming themselves with words or folks who we have lost to time and age. Graham, you are the official selector of the four categories that we use here on the listener-driven weekend Sports Cars show, that being IMSA, that being WEC, Aslam, Elms, ACO. that is WC, European Le Mans Series, Asian Le Mans Series, and the ACO in general. Then we have General, and then we have Fun, Mm-hmm. You're the man who chooses where we start and where we go every episode. Where do we start? And keep in mind, we might have something new to share with folks as well.
1: We do, with thanks to Andrew Backer. My selection uh, is going to be the the, uh, the section we left till last, last time. It's going to be first this time. Let's go with...
0: And we are back. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, The soaring eagle at the end of that was, um, it might be my favorite thing. Uh, It might be my favorite thing in a while. So, all right. Well, this means that you get to grab the T-shirt cannon of IMSA questions and fire them at me. Not from a distance into the grandstands where I'm waiting. About two feet away, well, straight in my face. Let's go
1: for it in a, in a, in a bizarre order. Um, let's go for... George Buda uh, says, What happened to the oak tree at VIR?
0: Well, it I fell over. It was an
1: alien abduction.
0: Yes, exactly. Uh, we have rumors of Bigfoot and Elvis dropping by in their UFO and stealing it. Um, what actually happened is it fell over. And that was it. Really sad believe it was a bad storm of some form but yeah they basically came in um connie nyholm and her uh, her team there at vir and found that poor tree was no longer rooted in the earth and with it being as big as it was it's not exactly like a shirt that became untucked that you can just kind of tuck back in and it'll stay so yeah really sad it's beautiful having photographed there. Uh, yeah. And having taken some of them picture images type things with it in the background. Yeah,
1: pretty sad. Let's go with uh, Peter McKay, uh, who says, any word within your networks on the prospects of Watkins Glen going ahead? I think this is going to be a, a question that, that covers all bases, isn't it? Across all championships. Heard yesterday that um, we're going to lose a number of races in Belgium to continued bans on mass uh mass attendance events in that fine country and i strongly suspect we're going to hear more from elsewhere but anything at all specific to uh watkins Glen, mp
0: this is a question the series has been hammered with and i know because i asked them honestly pivoting from y'all hey again a lot of questions yeah. about watkins glenn is it is or is it ain't and was told We don't have an answer for you, but just know that we're working a lot of contingency plans in case it ain't. So, granted, they didn't say the word ain't, but yeah, it is something, though, that is, I think this is just going to be the norm, Graham, of the things have been moved back back to here, and you go, great, so this is now the start of the season at date X, and as time passes and we get closer to that event, It's going to be, so is that in jeopardy? And I think as things keep getting peeled off and moved to either TBD or who knows where, I just think this is going to be a continually rolling topic, whether, again, it's a sports car, stock car, F1, you name it. I think this is just going to be the rolling, is date X still safe type deal uh, we're going to be dealing with for longer than anyone wants. So no answer, but they know... It, among others, right behind it, need to be, you know, actively planned uh, in case it does have to fall off of that pre-existing date.
1: We're not very far away, are we, from the point where it's going to be less a question of what uh, what events fall and more a question of do you need to think in terms other than a calendar? And actually getting through a number of events um, for a number of the championships worldwide, it's going to be an interesting waypoint uh, coming in a month or two's time where that becomes the inevitability if things can't get moving, let's keep an eye on that Uh, Edgar Sanchez Brambia says do you see IMSA ever coming to Portland in the near future, really enjoy going to the LMS races here, return of IndyCar uh, is great, Uh, World Challenge on the other hand didn't do so well, they're not coming back after two years would be great to have uh, top level sports car racing back what do you reckon MP?
0: I think we covered this somewhat recently on the show happy to cover it again i don't know how long laguna seca will remain on the calendar unless there are considerable bumps in attendance and overall income so for imsa to get back to portland knowing that it already has two stops on the west coast long beach and laguna i think it would be very hard to say we're going to genuinely add another round to the championship and now make a third west coast visit my guess is something would have to fall off elsewhere most likely on the west coast i don't foresee that ever happening with long beach knowing how much value it holds for the series so i would say getting to portland which is awesome likely have to come if and when uh, continuance of holding races at Laguna Seca is deemed as no longer in our best financial interest. We'd love going there, of course, but I think Laguna would have to be the casualty to make Portland a thing.
1: Okay. Um, Matt Anderson asked the question. We say a lot about Hypercar. We say an awful lot about LMDH. There's a name that's not been mentioned, though, for quite some time. What can you tell us? MP about the 2005 Shaw prototype program, <laughs> Cory <Can't reach> Shaw. <Shore. laughs> I can
0: tell you absolutely nothing. No. <laughs> I am drawing such a big blank.
1: Uh, I'm drawing. This a total- was the one, wasn't it? This, this. I have to say, this was not the LMS's finest hour. This was, yeah, a press conference. Everybody's bundled into the press conference, and. The, I can remember uh, Gary Horrocks, I think it was, calling and saying, you're not going to believe what we've just been told. And it was some remarkable number of cars that we were told were going to be built by this um, operation, uh, w- of which little could be found. It was in, in the dozens. Uh, Corey Shaw turned up in his famous Hawaiian shirt. Um, something around the the suspension of the cars from memory uh, was all sort of a little bit odd, but it was all based around we will bring X number of drive and drive lmp2 cars and blah 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 i i i think at that point more or less everybody called bullshit um and indeed the uh when the 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 tightly locked treasure chest of secrets was opened on this uh inside there was indeed the excrement of a male cow
0: oh yeah i i i not sure why. I got nothing. I mean, truly nothing. I don't remember a lick <laughs> about it. Um,
1: I can remember that kind of very bizarre sort of Raleigh and Scott with elements of more European world sports car um, artwork, but it was none too convincing. It, 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 To be blunt, and it wasn't a, a kind of – absolutely not a slur on them, but it was a pretty desperate um, – scraping in the barrel at that point from the LMS to place any trust whatsoever. This was an answer to anybody's question. Um, Not good. It is absolutely one that will feature in daily sports cars, sports cars that never raced at some point in the next decade. Um, But the reality is that uh, I think most of the people involved in this, um, well, are not going to put their head above the parapet anymore about the uh, the Shaw story. There's one or two people, though, uh, warned them with this, uh, that will be getting a call and I will be asking what they knew, but uh, not a lot. We can actually give you on that one, Matt, I'm afraid uh, a couple more. Um, one from guess who right turn lover. What? And it's your fate. your favorite subject. Sim racing. Oh, finally.
0: Uh, just- <laughs> I mean, how did we get this
1: far into the episode? Why don't we have a new <laughs> sim racing? Sim racing? No, let's not. Um, I know, neither of you is a big fan of broadcasting sim racing, but bear with me. Are IMSA missing a trick with their ad interim sim series? If they'd run it with two drivers per car, one a real racer, one a sim racer, they could, could they draw eyeballs from both spectator pools?
0: I have to raise my hand and apologize, right turn lover, because when I done seen your question come in. The first thing that flashed into my head was, I need to forward this to IMSA right away because it is freaking brilliant. I did have a conversation with a senior person at IMSA, I think it was late Monday night, and shared a lot of other ideas of, I'm not telling you how to do what you're doing in the iRacing SimWorld space. Here's some things I'm seeing other series doing since I'm covering a variety of this stuff now mm-hmm. where you might not be matching or exceeding. And I absolutely uh, have since failed to follow up and pass on your note. It's perfect. It's brilliant. It is everything they need. And admittedly, I would say every series should consider. I realize that open wheels, not a, multi-driver scenario but who cares <laughs> as we see with some of the amazing uh sim racing clips that tom aaron has been posting on oh, yeah. uh, the good old tweeters and whatnot uh you can make stuff up oh you can make <laughs> stuff up oh this doesn't happen in the real world well the imsa gtp using the brands hatch rally cross circuit also yep. never happened it might be the best race that's ever taken place, real or fake. Um, I'm with you.
1: No, no, I think the I think the Formula One turbo cars at Lydden Hill Rallycross was better.
0: True, but the uh, the late '70s uh, Renault Alpine Le Mans prototype car uh, in the snow, uh, snow rally good. in whatever Sweden. Um, oh,
1: the, uh, the I brought up the Group A homologated Jaguar XJR-12 in a British Touring Car Championship race. That was pretty good starting from the
0: pit line. There we go. So <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, this is brilliant. I would love to see it adopted uh, just across all racing platforms. Uh, I, you know, I'm i not grumpy about the broadcast sim racing stuff or any of that. Uh, just my little grumpiness just comes from, oh, this this got out of hand. This is very Anchorman-esque. This got out of hand quickly. <laughs> um uh brick killed a guy i mean there were <laughs> grenades there were scimitars there's all kinds of stuff going on here it's just it, for me hashtag personally this has just become I'm, a little bit too much there's too much uh, going on to keep track exactly of exactly right but that's and just i was me. gonna
1: add i was gonna add this which is we have talked about there perhaps being too much actual motor racing i know there's not at the moment but before we got to this this rather extraordinary position there's absolutely too much some racing right now um and yeah I, we have a we thing that the british touring car championship in the uk has a, a deal with one of the terrestrial channels that's a uh, sunday daughter wall to wall is the british touring car championship and all of its uh, support championships live it would wouldn't it be quite a nice thing if two or three of these organisations could get together and present it in that way that we'll go from insert name of major championship, let's say IMSA, and now uh, as those cars go back to the paddock, uh, we go over to the Porsche Super Cup, sim racing championship, etc, etc that for me, that would show a little bit of I don't know, if you want to keep your audience sitting there with a adult beverage and a muffin or similar um, provide them with they followed the same We'd probably talk eSports stuff they 've been doing with the legend stuff has been the closest to it, but doesn 't still quite hang together for me other than maybe for five or ten minutes a diversion uh, we 've got a bridging question here between IMSA and our next section, which will give you a moment just to queue up uh, the next of the Andrew Bacchus applied uh, fabulous uh, jingles for us. Mm-hmm. This one comes from Trevor Gagola, uh, Sent a question on this. Here is my repeat for IMSA and all FIA races. Uh, What is the protocol on drivers on track repairing their cars if they can't make it back to the pits? He's assuming rules differ between the series, race length, etc. Nothing to do with race length, it's simply the regulations. He saw video as did most of the world, the Delta Wing being unsuccessfully repaired at Le Mans in 2012. We've covered some of this, haven't we, MP, previously, but uh, um, there are certain repairs you can make. You cannot have outside assistance. I think that's more or less uh, universal. They can carry some tools on board, and sometimes they do. Some cars back in the day used to carry a cell phone on board, so they could take some instruction. I remember one particular luckless Japanese driver uh, with his car on fire behind him, Uh, on a nokia brick at morzan corner some years ago frantically asking what it is he needs to do to stop the thing um spouting eight foot flames um not very much practical information came back there but uh the reality generally is no outside assistance uh there are some races where you are permitted uh, a limited amount of that and there's some races where they will tow you back not just to a place of safety but to the paddock where you can rejoin greventic is a good example of that but generally speaking for aco rules racing uh, the answer is no outside assistance and if you do get outside assistance other than taking you from um, a gravel trap or similar uh, to the racing surface then you are gonna be done and be out that race
0: and I think I've mentioned it before on the show, but I always—I any chance I can mention it, I will. A certain device known as a Lamar pizza. How do you remember that? Me mentioning this before, Graham? Are you familiar no, with this? So there is something known. It's just a colloquialism or something. Uh, Lamont pizza, and I believe it was a seven. I believe it first started appearing in the 70s this is following this exact rule where you are unallowed oh yes you're not allowed to have outside uh help or anything from your crew there was i guess some grousing or yada 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 and uh the one allowance that was given was well food You know, if the crew wants to bring you something to eat or drink while you're repairing the car, they can. And so, naturally, being racers, uh, the quick idea was, well, how could we possibly cheat and skirt the rules? So, the driver who doesn't have the correct wrench, the correct socket, the screwdriver, the the hammer, well... The you'd usually have the corner worker there tending to the car and watching and whatnot. You wouldn't necessarily have an actual race official, you know, from the, the a steward there. But making sure that everything looked right, uh, the trick would be to uh, order a pizza and or if you could just simply find a pizza box, have one of the crew, quote, deliver a pizza to the driver. You open the lid, you find all the dang tools you need to do the job. So no, I just, Marshall, Marshall, yes. can I
1: just stop you there? If you were in France and you needed a hammer, where would you go? Hammers for you, hammers for me, hammers for everyone. Christophe Boucher's Hammer Emporium.
0: And we're back. Thank you again to Bouchou's Hammer Emporium, fine sponsor of many Lamont pizzas and the number one fake sports car racing podcast sponsor, I would say of all time. Should we tell folks, by the way, Graham, that we did record a nine minutes of nonsense episode where you explain so we have it saved in its own episode, <laughs> the origins of Bushu's Hammer Emporium? I'll be posting we that did. here shortly. But yes, I just love the idea of, oh, so the mechanics can't help Ph- physically. They can stand and offer verbal instructions. Well, hey, what they can do is bring them food. hee. <laughs> You know, it's when you show up with 15 pizzas stacked on top of one another where maybe you should be a little, wee bit suspect about what might be inside. So there we go. All right. Well, since we are now well and firmly into the Weckasm Elms Echo word world, let's go to Daniel Summers Gill. With a new timetable for Lamagram having been announced, I noticed that Saturday warm-up is only 15 minutes long. I honestly can't see the point in having this session, as there will be only time for one or two laps max. Only having time to shake down the cars, is there a reason for this? And Daniel just mentioned you used the word shakedown, which you answered your own question.
1: Uh, The answer is, it is indeed that. Uh, Generally speaking, the teams will be there with their... Uh, the engines and the gearboxes, they will be fitting in the cars for the race, and it will be exactly that. Make sure there's nothing leaking at the bottom. Make sure there's nothing spurting out the top. Uh, make sure the fluids that are designed to be within stay within, and it's as simple as that. No one's looking to set lap times. No one's looking to grab data. They're all just looking to make sure that they uh, have screwed those cars back together after their regular Leisurely Friday, that will lead to an awful lot of very rude uh, messages and phone calls from various crew members. Uh, there is nothing leisurely about Le Mans week, and uh, all the less so, I think, this year. But uh, that um, 15 minutes, it is what it is. is. We'll, um, that was a bit uh, Montoy, wasn't it? Uh, but, uh There you go. Uh, but it gives us a chance to just see the form, see the cars on track uh, on race day. Uh, but, no, it's not really, for performance terms, a significant session. And I would add just this. It's 15 minutes fewer for anybody to make a mistake that's going to cause the crew even further problems.
0: Uh, how much fun. Uh, let's see. Where are we going to go next for you? We're going to go with... Huh. <laughs> I'm just counting here quickly. Oh, this three. I-, I believe this... Yeah, this is officially the Daniel Summers Guild... Uh, week in sports cars episode uh, some I'm guy named yeah uh some danils gill uh has <laughs> asked what would happen to gtem if gtp gtp gte just pick letters jacob please note that in the area. if gte pro were to end after lmdh hypercars were introduced would it uh, also end it and be replaced by gt3 or would it continue for uh. a few years
1: I think it would continue for a few years. I've had asked this, asked this question of two separate manufacturers, uh, sort of privately, and their level of confidence is that GTE Am could survive for another couple of seasons with the customer cars out there and the, uh, the through flow, but the reality would be that if GT Racing were to survive, it would be almost certainly with some form of GT3 uh, convergence. Uh, whether or not it would be pure GT3 or whether or not uh, the ACO would seek to mess with it. Bear in mind, they have got two series, uh, ACO series where GT3 cars are already welcome, those being uh, the Asia Le Mans series, where the GT category is exclusively GT3, and the Michelin Le Mans Cup, where they have uh, FI GT3 machinery as well. So uh, I think the answer is yes, the existing manufacturers are expecting it to last a little longer in answer to the unasked question i don't see them trying to mix a grid between you know balancing gte cars and gt3 cars i think they'll go with what they've got as long as they've got enough and it will be a numbers game without a shadow of a doubt
0: let's see We have one here from Gil Summers, Dan. Oh, man, this is so awesome. Uh, With Association SRT41, not Dodge, by the way, withdrawing from this year's Lamar, do you think the ACO will be sympathetic, Ram, and allow them to enter, say, next year in Garage 56? Uh, Gil Summers, Dan, closes with saying, hashtag me personally. They should let them in, considering there is unlikely to be another Garage 56 entry in 2021.
1: Right, well, I'll say two things. First thing is, yes, I expect them to ask. I think they already have asked. And yes, I expect the answer to be yes, as long as there is a commercial package that allows the guys to get out on track. Two or three issues that have stopped uh, Fred Sose's uh, epic trio. And by the way, I've got some film to, to actually put up on DSC and I'll send it to Racer as well of the three for the, with their first test with the Oracle 07. And I gather all three came through that uh, in fine form. Uh, they're just not going to have enough time to do the kind of testing and race practice that they decided they require to do this safely. I think that's a smart move from the team, and with much regret, they will likely, well, they may race later this year, depending on which races we get underway. Um, I I would expect that the ACO, if has uh, any chance whatsoever, to bring them back for twenty twenty one. I'll add this: there will be news of another garage fifty six efforts not for 2021 I hope in the next 24 hours uh, for us to bring to um, you our listeners and to readers of uh, both racer.com and indeed com. SRT
0: 42 taking the spot Ah, <laughs> oh, boy I, I I'm going to overstate the obvious I really wish there was fierce competition for three garage named whatever number they would need to be i wish we had multiple real and fierce competition among multiple entries to actually not just pick one but say hey wow all right we got seven submissions these three look to be the closest to real to coming true you three get garage 50 this that the other 60 who knows whatever the number is um and yeah, again, I know it's a really meaningless and powerless thing to say, but boy, the we're going to do something that isn't homologated to death and is unproven, and it's going to fail. The car is not going to make it to the end, and that's fine. We're here to try and learn, inspire, figure stuff out, and use a great forum to draw attention to the spirit behind that. Yeah. I just wish that there were more more subscribers uh, able or willing to do that. So uh, let's go to, all right, it well, looks like we're done with the Summersgill Guild Danielson uh, <laughs> ones, but who knows? We could sneak in another one later. Uh, let's go to Michael Banning. It says, good morning. If Porsche enters LMDH at the cost of their GTE or GTLM programs, Graham, where does that leave? GTE and GTLM as a whole mentions IMSA would only have Corvette and BMW left. says the WEC would only have Aston Martin and Ferrari. Curious, could we see GT3 proto, Pro and Pro-Am classes moving forward? We get a lot of well, questions I, like this, and that's a positive thing. But, but
1: okay, It's a it very positive thing. Tells I think it's me, an,
0: it's- yeah, I was just saying, it tells me folks are, are worried, concerned about the tenuous state of... Uh, yeah just if one more leaves does the whole thing crumble which we've discussed before but i'm just glad to see that folks are really you know sharing similar concerns
1: well i i do wonder what the current state of affair uh, of of discussion of that 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 is as well as of course the net effect of what's going on with the world economy is going to have on the timetable for the various new regulation packages that're due to come forward uh, the reality is here. Porsche have made it pretty clear that they remain committed to GT racing for as long as that's viable. And they've also made it clear that they expect it to be healthy interest in customer GTE cars for the short to medium term as well. Aston Martin, I have to say, in their current um, economic state, there's questions to be asked there. Ferrari... BMW, Corvette, they're not three of the names that are immediately the top of the the heap uh, to do with LMDH, but there's no reason to think that they might not be, bearing in mind we've got Cadillac in DP at the moment. Um, What do I think? I think we're at a tipping point, and I think if one of the big players decided to go in one direction rather than the other, that's going to make it very difficult for anything other than perhaps planning year by year for gte pro um certainly there's not a three-year plan unless somebody else comes out the woodwork and i don't see unless you're going to tell me different mp anybody coming anytime soon we have mclaren sniffing around it they're now looking at uh, lmdh uh we had uh, mercedes-benz certainly sniffing around it but i don't see them back um in gt racing uh, anytime soon at uh, at that level, I think they would wait it out and see whether or not GT3 became an option for their customer racing side of things. And one or two other makes, as well as a couple of boutique makes, but why would you do it right now with an uncertain future um, for the top-ranking GT cars?
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I continue to hear there is immense interest that remains on the dpi front dpi lmdh front um just that exact sticking point you've mentioned i don't think we're going to get past anytime soon and that being that yeah okay we still want to do it we're not doing it kind of right now but could 2022 still hold and still stick that's the the That's the bigger topic that is going to become impossible to ignore in, what are we? We're in April. We've got about four months, four to five months until this becomes a, if it hasn't been answered before then on whether the date will be moved to 23 or who knows, but by the time we get to uh, August or so, maybe, let's say September, probably August. Manufacturers have to have a clear idea as to whether uh, IMSA plans on doing whatever they're going to do in terms of prototype regs, knowing that this does affect both over here in the States and the good old weckity wack uh, they got to let them know because it's not a one-year thing. It's we need to start in Septemberish October of 2020, to give ourselves enough time to have a prototype on the ground running by early summer and then spend the rest of that summer in the off season getting it ready for 22 so uh, time is time's coming so on top of where are we going to race what are we going to race uh, not what are we going to race when are we going to race and where in this delayed season uh these future regs are creeping up quickly on uh gotta let them know so let's go to something else where you can do some gotta let them know our man rob chalmers after last week's question about the green x challenge could the garage 57 idea be repurposed into a four to five car Le Mans only class uh, reinstating the index of efficiency class but much much simpler live fuel data from fuel flow meters in the fuel rig distance based on laps completed uh, have to stay faster uh than say a datum lap time uh given a fastest lap time target similar to p2 Lowest combusted fuel for the distance wins. What says you, Gra- Graham? It's, it's, good wins. It's,
1: it's interesting. I think it would only come, Rob. Truth be told, if we saw numbers drop off alarmingly, and I mean beyond a likely impact on numbers this year, I'm not expecting SRT forty ones to be the final withdrawal from the one twenty four hours. Nothing close to it, in fact. Um, But beyond that, I think they would only be looking at um, a big idea, and that is a big idea, if we started to see a sustained downturn in numbers. And bear in mind the the level of confidence that is still being expressed in LMDH at this point. I think that's unlikely. For what it's worth, like the general idea, don't see that uh, happening for the Le Mans 24 hours any time soon, I'm afraid.
0: All right, let's... uh got a I, could
1: answer the, 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 right, I could answer Right Turn Lovers 1 quickly here about LMS and Red Bull Ring. Sure. The reason why the Red Bull Ring fell off the calendar is logistics. Bear in mind for the ELMS, it's truck time. It's time actually between the circuits and they opted principally. We all love going to the Red Bull Ring. Love it, love it, love it. But they opted principally to try to reduce the cost to the team's by having fewer road days for the trucks. So, in other words, um, keep it as close as they possibly can to the previous race, and uh, the red Bull ring fell over on that front. I think there's some commercial uh, issues as well, but uh, I'd love it if they go back there, but I'm told that's not going to happen anytime soon.
0: Final question. Who does it go to? This is a lot of doubling up. I like this. Chob Rolmers, Uh <laughs> distant, distant relative of Rob Chalmers. Uh, thank you, Chob. Uh, Could the WEC use any misshapen Tetris piece of a calendar year left of 2020 at the end of uh, all this to hold some non-championship events where teams can bring some more interesting cars, hypercars, LMDHs, DPIs, grandfathered P1s, maybe brands could run a BOAC1000K hashtag stream of much consciousness.
1: Well, here's the thing, nothing stopping Brands Hatch from doing that with or without the ACO, but I don't see that at all. Either at the moment, and I've spent a lot of time on the phone today to a variety of teams, there is real concern from teams about the numbers of races that are going to be possible in the rapidly constraining part of this year that's going to be available to them, and all sorts of ideas being thrown in the direction of uh, organizing bodies, you know, double-headers, triple-headers over, a, you know, half a week, etc., cetera, et cetera, because the key thing for very many of those professional race teams is the package they have sold to their customers is that they will get to race a certain number of times, and what they're concerned about is if the number of races constrains any further, it's already gone down from six to five in the LMS, for instance, uh, that they're going to be in a position where – they're going to be asked by those customers to refund some of the money that's already been given to those teams. And as anybody knows, that uh, it's been responsible in any way for uh, a major international sports car programme. An awful lot of the money is paid up front to suppliers and in preparing those cars. And that could leave a lot of those teams in very serious strife should that become something that's necessary to start sending checks back to customers. Um, Is it Herr General next, or do you want to go to fund? Hey, you're the selector.
0: Look, I just saw the latest jobless report in the U.S. here. I don't want to dare risk putting someone out of work in the U.K. That is your job, my brother.
1: Well, let's go for a couple of Herr General, and let's kick it off with Will anyone dominate F1 and sports cars like Sterling Mostert. It comes from Neil Hardy following the death of the Sterling Moss, do we think we'll ever see a driver dominate like that again? Um, I think, here's the thing, if you'd have asked me this five years ago, I'd have said 100% no. Now, dominate, no. Uh, but do I think we could see drivers winning big races in both codes? I think, I don't know about you, MP, but I think the answer is yes. Yeah, I would say
0: you know there needs to be... Uh little bit of of insertion of reality here there were some a couple of years where sir sterling was the dominant force in formula 1 didn't come away with a title but we know that again he was wow wasn't always necessarily the dominant force there though uh, a lot of the things that he chose which is so amazing actually spent about a half hour on the phone with our man we alan mcnish a couple days ago for a piece i'm writing for road and track about sterling and his impact uh, specifically on british motorsport and one of the key topics was imagine how many additional wins and how many formula one world championships he would have if he had not chosen country over quality Mm -hmm. and So that, and the conversation was not a negative, as in he did something, he did that wrong. It was how amazing, and we would never see that today. If there were Spanish Formula One teams, multiple in F1, yet weren't quite as good as British or Italian, would Alonso choose state? over quality country over quality and go with the spanish f1 teams doubtful and that was alan's point not specifically about Alonso, but uh this is a this is a case where we have a man who had the talent to dominate at all times in everything but in wanting to support the country support the british isles in his decision and who he drove for so often there was a bit of a uh, a price to pay sadly either in competitiveness or reliability or otherwise so not disputing the fact that he had the potential to dominate both in perpetuity but unfortunately at least on the f1 side there were uh, too many years where he was in vehicles that just were not up to uh the caliber of the others so uh,
1: hopefully this is hopefully this is the final time we'll mention sim racing in this one. But uh, don't tell Josh me Richard, he was
0: also kicking button sim racing, too, back. then. Yes, he
1: was. He was amazing on iRacing, Sterling. Um, uh, Josh Richards says MP, you've made it clear you're fed up with the oversaturated uh, e-racing market. Suddenly there might be less e-racing. <laughs> Do you think the events of the last two weeks, NASCAR's e the Bubba Wallace Blue Emu situation? and Carl Larson's use of a racial slur will lead to the decrease in driver participation in such events for fear of real world repercussions. It's a good question.
0: Yes, but it should be no. Yes. The, I don't think we're going to see fewer drivers participate. I do think we are going to have fewer drivers acting in a free and unencumbered uh, manner. I, the issue here, and I'm not going to get at this. There is not a soapbox moment. We're not playing the, the boo, boo shoes, hammer Emporium jingle. The issue here is people with ignorance or worse within them speaking their truths in a public forum. In this instance, we're talking about racing and uh, you, speaking into a headset. It could very well be on just simply social media. Yep. T- type the N-word <laughs> in on social media. Granted, they, it tends not to stay up very long, but pick your Facebook, Twitter, whatever. All the worst things are being said by people all day long throughout the world in whatever language, in whatever although there is no equivalent somewhat equivalent n-word to whatever race or species of people um this is people letting their ignorance hate stupidity whatever show so what say the vast majority overwhelming majority of sim racers at least maybe the pros we're talking about since we're, you know, lots of us are looking or care more now because the whole pro racing world is doing nothing but uh, esports and sim racing. How about the massive, massive, overwhelming majority of those pro racers have nothing to fear because they aren't thinking or saying N words or any other words in their private lives or public lives. That's not them, nor is that part of their verbal or uh, character-based repertoire. So do I think folks are going to be fairly tight-lipped for now? Do I think that, name whatever it is, uh, the F1 race this weekend, the IMSA race coming up here ASAP, do I think every driver... (laughs) Who is being paid to drive and competing in these esports events has been spoken to by their team owner, head of human resources, communications department, and just drilled as a result of Kyle Larson's uh, incident. 100%. Do I hope that in the coming weeks, when folks normalize a bit and aren't nearly as wound up and afraid? will just be their normal, more playful, fun selves, non-racist, non-n-word spouting selves. That is my hope. But I guarantee you, there's not a single driver, professional driver that we know of that has not been counseled daily. Don't say it, don't think it, don't do it. My only fear here, honestly, Graham, you could have the 99.9% of pro drivers who've never thought the word said the word ever. What happens sometimes when you keep having the person say, don't look over here. Don't <laughs> oh, look yes. over here. Don't look. Oh o- yes. Uh, I mean, so I'm not saying it's going to happen, but part of me is like, man, I know some people just been hammered to not, 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 not. And you go, it might actually have never been a thing. And now it's just so in their head. Like, so
1: Yeah. Um, I can tell you, I can tell you from the perspective of a man who spent 30 years as a professional PR man putting people in front of live cameras and live microphones, I can tell you that more often than I didn't, the final words I would say to those people before they sat down was "As, as, as soon as you walk in that room, you have to assume the microphone is live. The camera is live. Do not say, and then I would insert not the n word, but the f word and a b word. Don't say it. You know, be, uh, imagine that that's live. Whether or not you're certain that it isn't, just be aware of what you're doing in your surroundings. That's it.
0: What I um, what I want to know is when did Frank Bila become a curse word? <laughs> I mean, good lord, man.
1: Oh dear me, it's. Uh,
0: <sighs> I think mute it, buttons are going to be use oh, yeah. more than overtake buttons right you know in the next week or two or three in uh whatever sim racing we're we're watching but like many things in life this too shall pass this is one person being an epic moron this is one person having to learn from it that has rattled and shaken all kinds of things and we're going to get back to normal we aren't bad there's nothing wrong with us collectively this is that one drop of poison poisoning the entire well reputationally. But we're fine. We again the ninety-nine percent of us, we're good people. Uh not an issue, but just gotta get past the uh the pressure and concern first.
1: Um, how much longer have we got? So I think we might have to take a leap into fun at this point. Uh
0: Things a guy should know. Uh, We're at 55 minutes, so there's probably no way we're going to meet the one. Well, granted, we went for a little bit on our own. We spent about 12 minutes before we got to IMSA. So we can give full, you know, we've got a little bit of latitude here.
1: We'll we'll dive into fun. We'll dive into fun. Um, Alec Eichmiller um, asks, how did you and I meet and how did Twist start? Two separate questions. Twisk, we know. But we'll where, t- we'll tell that we story first,
0: quickly. Well, we can yeah. look. I can tell, folks. I'm happy to say, this is the very first, I believe, motor racing podcast that was uh, was formed based on a relationship between two reporters who met on OK Cupid. So, yeah. um, just a date, just that, a dating that, app.
1: That picture in the onesie is very cute, by the way. It
0: is. They they I am. I am your little furry furry teddy bear uh
1: i don't actually know when we first met when did we meet i can tell you
0: that i was looking through some photographs that i took at the le mans in i don't know maybe 2010 and it was a view on pit lane doing something um with another uh radio personality oh that
1: was the, that was the friday afternoon uh, pit walk
0: yeah show I think it? I think your you first were, year at Le Mans 2007 I think you were wearing some form of racing for malaria shirt because that yes, was a year of Highcroft right. High and rabs yeah. and, and our man Paul Ryan well, let's
1: put it this way so the answer is it was certainly before 2007 because you always sat uh, right next to my position at Le Mans uh, once you City of the Le Mans uh, uh, press room. You always have the same chair. I've had the same chair now for this has been, in fact, my twentieth year Jeez. Um, in in that in that same press room. Uh, if we get the race, um, so it's been before that. So my guess would be it would be. I don't recall you being at the Rolex twenty four in two thousand and one, two thousand and two. No,
0: I was still working in IndyCar back then. I didn't start this okay. whole media thing till. Mid two thousand six, so and really, so would
1: it be, I reckon it was. It might very well be. Might be my Lamont. Might well have been two thousand seven. Yeah. It might very well have been two thousand seven. But there you go. i have just working that one out. As for two thousand, uh, as for Twisk, that was conversation between MP and I immediately after the Rolex twenty four two years ago.
0: Yeah. So. Graham and I, or we could just say racer and daily sports car. We've, you know, just been pals before there was a a working relationship. I mean, this goes back to when I was at speed, but, uh, would sit together. So at the end of the row at uh, the Rolex 24 in the left side of the media center, um, we would just get our chairs grouped together and stare at one another, uh, (laughs) for the event. And yeah, I think it was just the, towards the end of the. 2018 Rolex 24 knowing that I'd started the weekend Indy car about a year before that, uh, just occurred to me like, huh? Well, we should maybe think about doing something similar with sporty cars since I already have a show about them, Indy cars. And you and I walked into the little radio room that they kindly, uh, give me each Rolex 24 and spent, Three minutes. We were both very bleary eyed, and said, "Ah, what do you think? You want to have a go? yeah what do you want to call it?" To which you said, "No idea." And if you happen to listen to the first one, uh, I think yeah, we called so it two or three. I think, yeah, yes. the show. We have no idea what to call show. Um, and so, yeah. And then, uh, as we told very recently, uh, some former friends uh, at a media outlet where they happened to talk about Lamar on the radio um freaked out and decided that we were public enemy number one and my last appearance was i think the couple days before the rolex 24 i think your final appearance there might have been somewhat soon after and um like bad members of the vatican we have been excommunicated and just sharing here because we're honest on the show You want to know who is so thankful because this podcast has taken off and just life has genuinely been so awesome without having to deal with any other nonsense other than the nonsense I make all for myself. Yeah. So got to admit at the time, a little turbulent, little aggro since then. Seriously, this has been such a blessing having our own show where you and I are fully invested in it and have awesome listeners who send in really fun, engaging, thought-provoking, and at times hilarious questions. I love doing this each week.
1: And in increasing numbers, I should say. I mean, it is no small task for Ryan Kish and then ourselves to condense this down to something we can do within a kind of a sensible amount of time every week. We could easily fill hours and hours more if we had them, and I remain enormously grateful, and uh, the numbers keep on coming. Uh, Right, here's one from Steve Watson, uh, which I like very much. And Steve says, "Uh, what's the best motorsports-related pet name you've heard of? Hashtag me personally. He has a cat called Cosworth because of his very loud purr. Thanks for a a great podcast. What about you, MP? I've got a couple. Well, that's, first of all, I
0: love that because, as I have learned, Cosworth is among the, there. it has to be the number one pet name for decades because the first time I heard it was <laughs> uh, uh, someone having it was mid to late 80s, and it's because I decided I wanted to have a dog, didn't get one, but when I get a dog, I'm going to name it Cosworth and had somewhat recently before that sent, I think, $10 down to Cosworth USA in Torrance, California, to get a Cosworth T-shirt and just decided, man, if I could be wearing my T-shirt and walk my dog named Cosworth, I'd be the coolest guy in the world. Again, the the thoughts of like a 16 or (laughs) 17-year-old. And then I saw some, was watching some race on TV where then, uh trans am champion amazing guy wally Dollenbach jr there was some little feature on him before whatever sports car race on the tv and they showed him walking his dog uh or out in the countryside and his dog running around and him he called his dog cosworth cosworth come here shattered <laughs> crestfallen <laughs> i thought i was the only person in the world who could come up with something like that yeah oh so.
1: sorry it's uh, I do know, I'm trying to remember which of my friends out there it is. It's got two dogs called Riley and Scott. Oh, uh, But they most certainly do. Uh, my dog, Oscar. Now, Oscar came to us as Oscar, but he's not named after the oddball Japanese uh, sports version of a single seater. And then we've got my three cats, rather boringly called Bear. Tango and Zytec ZS11 SN Nissan. And uh, no, there are absolutely no mudsport connections to any of those.
0: Huh. I, yeah, I've got nothing better than that. I can only give you the pet names uh, that I share with various drivers, like Alan McNish is, is, and will always be Snuggle Bunny. That's how yep. I refer to him in person, <laughs> in a group. Uh, by text, by phone, whatever. Um, I do call (laughs) a number of people monkey nuts, but that's not necessarily a term of endearment. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I've got uh, anything else. You've got
1: to hope that Kelly doesn't find those text messages to Alan, haven't you? Uh,
0: I got to admit, there's one person in the McNish family that I fear. It's Kel. Oh, yeah, yeah. She'd take me out of the knees. There's going to be a... Scottish-themed drone strike that I need to uh, to look out for here. <laughs> uh, let's go to Jeff Easterling. Says, love the recent Lamar winning liveries discussion. Lots of folk muse over what classic livery should adorn newer cars, but never much in reverse, i.e. GT198 Mobile One scheme on a Porsche 917 or a Flying Lizard liveried Porsche 962. Oh, this Andrew Backer, uh, I'm hoping, is loving this. So Graham... What modern skin on classic sports racer combo would you fancy?
1: Ooh, that's a cracker, isn't it?
0: That's a what, you know, great a, one. You
1: know, you, you know I'm a, a, a big fan of the Harrods livery on the McLaren F1. I think that yes. could look pretty good on an old-style, oldie-woldie-typey Porsche 917-typey thing. Yeah. Um, the blue coral livery that did actually appear on porsche 935 albeit a latter-day version of that in national competition i think that could look quite good oddly enough a 962 it appeared on porsche 911 gt2s and gt1s and it appeared on a 935 but never a 962 i think that could be uh, quite something the other one it's actually just from a couple of years ago there's that that fantastic pink pig livery they put on the Porsche yeah. at the moment—that could look fantastic on a Porsche nine one seven. huh let's try and think. What else? Ooh, hang on, one more, one more, definitely. Falcon. Oh, that that on a Group C or a GTP car, the Falcon colours would look. I'm th- amazing. I'm thinking amazing. More
0: Duncan Hamilton. Aston Martin at Le Mans type.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a liver.
0: We need a Falcon Porsche applied to a, I'm forgetting, and I apologize, DB9,
1: DBR, I forget the number. By the way, before, a shout out, by the way, for Toyota GB. PR man, Scott Brownlee, whose office is just a couple of streets behind where I'm standing right now. Uh, and he's, I know, in his lockdown, been uh, playing with, uh, I can't remember which of the online, it's one of the GT uh, online games where you can paint your car in whatever livery. And uh, Scott used to be the PR for Austin Rovers Motorsport Activities. And he uh, painted up a Jaguar XJ r 12 LM in the Bastos livery, Um, the uh, the livery that uh, adorned touring cars back in the day, and asked what we thought, and I came back and said, actually, I would have preferred it if you'd done it in the computer vision livery of one of my favourite cars ever, the MG Metro 6R4. 20 minutes later, what pops up on my screen, but this vision of loveliness, the Jaguar XJR12... Uh, with the blue and white colors of Tony Pond. Um, fantastic stuff from there. The livery question, it's a, it's, a, it's a blinder, isn't it?
0: It is. So I'm just going to try and think of another one. Uh, now this, wow. I don't know if it would work. In my head, it it <laughs> does. Um, so we're going to go, granted, seems like a lot of Porsche here, so I apologize. This also seems like... Uh, Something that we could do almost every week as a question, so please continue to send this one uh, in, Jeff. I'm thinking the black of the three Porsche 919 hybrids from Le Mans 2015. Yep. Right, uh, the three had uniform livery with the writing across the top of the car. I'm thinking the black. 919 hybrids livery thrown back to the 1988 Sauber Mercedes livery at Le Mans, which was black with the white circuitry on it. I think they're similar but different enough that I think some form of cross era application of that could be fricking stunning. What I'd actually love to see is someone to do both. Take that 88 Black Sauber forward and the Porsche back, do up both cars. I could crash both with great skill in sim racing.
1: <laughs> so here's your challenge. Any of you out there with the capability, the uh, methodology, the skill sets, chuck them our way and we'll give them some airtime. Not just here on the weekend, sports cars, but I'm sure I can find a premise to get something together and get a story online for you on both of our regular platforms because I like that. That's a bit of a lockdown challenge for you. Uh, we must be almost out of time here. Yeah, think?
0: we are, brother. So we've got a um, what? We've got two. Well, hey, really easy. Um, we've got two of them, and they're meant for you. This comes from our man Dave uh, from Mike Hogg talking about Dave Warnock. It says Graham whilst surveying the excellent old school 2001 photo galleries on dailysportscar.com i spotted dave Warnock, a gentleman racer who was a constant in british gt and fia gt at the time but who eventually disappeared from the driving scene the gallery suggested he was now involved with dsc what has he been up to since his lister days
1: uh, the actually the next one as well mentions John Brooks. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, get John to is that in a moment. Yeah. So, but actually, it's a not dissimilar question. John was actually one of the original partners in Daily Sports Car back in 2002, uh, and this, the story. As I was telling, John, one of the original partners, we had a fourth partner with myself, John, and Markham Cracknell, whose name will not be mentioned here, because unfortunately that man let us down technically, which meant that uh, we lost a server and lost the entire website and content from 2002. It no longer exists. And certainly that we would also have been out, you know, that is,
0: one-year-old Stephen Kilby. We can go ahead and say his no, name. It was no. his <laughs> fault. In his diapers.
1: Um, absolutely. Um, also, I'd had his hand in the till. Uh, which meant we were in dire straits at the end of 2002, which is where David, never call him Dave, by the way, David Warnock comes in. So, David, if you're not familiar with that name, uh, British GT champion in 2001, I think that's right. Also, um, I think won the GT class at the Daytona 24 hours as well with a Rook Porsche at around that same time. Uh, but David was good enough uh, as an incoming partner with myself, with Malcolm Cracknell. At that stage, unfortunately, the f- fiscal impact of that failure meant that uh, Brooksy stepped away. But in came David Lord, who designed the original 2003 websites, which you can still see in our archive. David Warnock provided us with the finance that actually kept us Uh, afloat at that stage and is still a partner to this day alongside Lordy and myself with Malcolm having had to step down through ill health some years ago although still very much part of our extended family so the answer is yes still on very good terms with all of them David is still a business partner of mine and Dave Lords and Brooksy I think I speak to Brooksy about once every couple of weeks you're quite right he's still providing some excellent stuff for us and by the way Uh, will feature in some retro stuff from DSC that I've been sourcing just before I came to record this program. So look out for that in the next week or so.
0: Let's go to the final question. A man who I've had a a love, not hate, but uh, I think, frankly, that is the standard John Brooks relationship. Uh, Periods of love and hate, but erring towards love. Uh, John Brooks is the topic here to close the show by Dean Ackerman. Graham, just wondering if John Brooks is still working with Daily Sports Car. He has so many wonderful photos of sports cars over the years, of which I say amen to that.
1: Uh, the answer is he does. He, ever will that be the case. Uh, Brooksie has the best archive in the world of the BPR era. Uh, Brooksy, before that, was working with an external agency. So, a lot of his Group C stuff he doesn't hold the rights to, but he does hold the rights to an astonishing array of. Uh, The golden era of GT racing in the mid to late 1990s. We talk often about that. We've got lots of projects coming forward with that. He's doing a lot of book work as well, writing books and um, contributing to a number of books I know he's got in the offing right now, including a fantastic piece that will be published, I hope later this year. I hope it's not delayed uh, on Bentley and the the Le Mans programme in the early part of this century, which he's uh, collaborating with Andrew Cotton on that book. Uh, look forward to that because there are some stunning uh, stories to come from that, one or two of which I'm fully well aware of. But, uh, yeah, he's still around. He's still um, keeping himself safe and uh, and well employed. Uh, don't see as much about the racetracks as we used to, and that's rather a shame. But, uh, no, uh, it's always a pleasure to spend the odd 40 to 50 hours on the phone with uh, once you can actually get him uh, in conversation about all things motorsport now and prior. I think that's us done, is it not MP? It is and
0: as I enjoy opening the show I enjoy even more when my brother Graham Goodwin takes us home.
1: Well it is as always thanks to Uh, our backers that is of course the justice brothers cooper tires uh bell helmets and i've completely forgotten one well but it's actually
0: two because you said all of our backers that being torontomotorsports.com and andrew Backer, who now has three jingles
1: in our show he does indeed thanks all of that but thanks most of all to you the listeners and in particular those of you that engage with us week after week and increasingly new people coming to us with new questions um, keep doing it. I know we've not got to some of them again this week. There will be more to come. We'll get together, MP, to get another hour of this craziness uh, together uh, and online to help people through the lockdown days. Um, thanks as well to you, MP. It's uh, you know busy time for absolutely everybody, but uh, fully well aware that the challenges for you. Uh, are not unusual with lockdown and with the preparations you've got to make and I remain incredibly grateful for the time you give to me and to our listeners for now, wherever you are in the world, whether or not the sun's in the sky whether or not the uh, stars are up, uh, take care of yourselves more now than ever before and we will be with you in just a few days more uh, More for more of the week in sports cars from the Marshall Privet Podcast